Thanks for joining us here at Temple Baptist Church in Centralia, Illinois, where we are a community of people who are not perfect and don't pretend to be. If you would like to see other resources or learn more about our ministry, check out www.tbccentralia.com. Our hope and prayer is that through the following message, you are encouraged, blessed, and inspired to meet the Lord in a powerful way. Amen. I can tell you there is no place that I would rather be right now than right here. I hope you feel the same way, and if not, you will feel that way in 30 minutes. (laughs) Open up your Bibles to the book of John. And we are covering a new series called I Love This Place. All right, and so when we say I love this place, it means so much more than this building. And last week I talked to you about uh, my church and how that we love our church. And, and the, the, the bottom line is when we change the way we look at things, things change. And so when we change the way we looked at our church, I talked about that last week, that our church changes. Today I want to introduce you to my community and, and the fact that I love this place. I love my community. But again, it's so much bigger than the greater Centralia area. So when we say my community, it means so much more. So when I say I love this place, you don't have to think about being stuck by a train and you're late for a meeting. All right? I know it's, it's challenging to say I love this place when that happens. That happened this morning to me. I forgot my Bible. That's not good for a pastor. And I had to go back home and guess what was on the train tracks when I came back through. But you know what I said? I I said, I love this place. (laughs) So that's what I want to share with you today is about my community. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, God, we thank you for the place that you brought us. We thank you for the place in our lives that you have us. We thank you that you have us here at Temple. We thank you that you have us here in Centralia. Lord, we thank you that you have us in the center of your will. Let your message be heard and the hearts receive it. In Jesus' name, amen. Here's reality. Our communities have changed over the last few years. I don't know if you realize this, but um, so we we bought a house here, and we love that house, Um, but it's not the perfect house, all right? For me, the perfect house starts with a wraparound porch. All right? I mean, you, if, if it don't have a wraparound porch, it can't be the perfect house. And so now our, our front porch goes the whole from side to side. It just doesn't go around either side, so it's not a wraparound. And, and for that reason, otherwise, it would probably be the perfect house. But our community has changed because our porches have gone from being a big front porch. If you look at a new house, it's, it's maybe this portion right here. And what's happened is we've gone from sitting out on our front porches and talking to our neighbors as they walk by or maybe as they're out in the front yard working on things. And we've gone from big front porches and big front yards and we made the front porch smaller and we made the front yard smaller. And instead what we did was we built a big patio in the back. And then after a couple years, you know, we wanted to keep that all to ourselves and we put up a privacy fence. 
You know, this isn't a, a, a new thing. This is a phenomenon that's gone across our entire nation. We went from the front porch to the back patio. We went from our friends walking by our house to a privacy fence where nobody can see what we're doing. See, when we change the way we look at our community, our community changes. And so when we didn't want to see our neighbors, we changed the way we looked at our house. We changed the way that we built our house. Now, here's what I want to share with you, and that's this. Our community is outside these walls. I love it when we get here and we meet on Sunday mornings and throughout the week and on Wednesday. And I love it. But make no mistake about it, our community is outside these walls. Let me share with you, Jesus had to teach this lesson to his disciples. And it's in the book of John. And so I'm going to start reading in verse 1. It said, Now when Jesus learned that the Pharisees had heard that Jesus was making and baptizing more disciples than John... Although Jesus himself did not baptize, but only his disciples. Now, you know why they put that in Scripture, don't you? Could you imagine have being baptized by Jesus? Could you imagine the way you would start walking around? Like, who baptized you? And you're like, Bartholomew, and you're like, sorry. Jesus baptized me. Yeah, after we walked on the water out to where we wanted to get baptized, we sunk down and then he baptized me. But see, it wasn't about who baptized you. And I think that's why Jesus didn't do the baptizing. Because he knew one day he'd leave. And he knew one day he needed all of us to be baptizing. And so in verse 3, he left Judea and departed again for Galilee. And he had to pass through Samaria. Now, uh, let me show you a little map here because... He really didn't have to pass through Samaria because um, normally a Jew, you can see the red arrow there, that is where he was at. He was in Jerusalem. And he's wanting to go to the green arrow there at the top in Galilee. And so um, there's a road that goes almost directly straight north that Jesus could take with his disciples. But there was also a road that went out of Judea, it went across all the way over into Decapolis, and then they came back into Galilee. That's the normal way that a Jew would take. Why? Because they did not want to go to this place called Samaria. Because you know what you found in Samaria? You found Samaritans, and they didn't like Samaritans. But the Bible says that he needed to pass through Samaria. Not because it was the shortest route. Not because it was the only route. Not because he didn't have options. He needed to because there was a mission that he had to accomplish. In verse 5 it says this. So he came to a town of Samaria called Sychar. Near the field that Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there. So Jesus wearied as he was from his journey was sitting beside the well, and it was about the sixth hour. Now, there's a reason why the, the Bible points out that it was about the sixth hour, because um, nobody went to the well at the sixth hour. The sixth hour was noontime. It was hot. 
When the ladies would come from out of the town to the well, they would do it first thing in the morning, just as the light was coming up. Why? Because it was cool. It was easier. And then they would get the water and they would take it back home. They wouldn't be sweating. But the, so, so the people who would go to the well around the sixth hour were the people that nobody else wanted to hang out with. They were people who told themselves that nobody else wanted to hang out with them either. And so here is uh, somebody in Samaria, and it says in verse 7, And a woman from Samaria came to draw water. And Jesus said to her, Give me a drink. For his disciples had gone into the city to buy food. Now what I want you to watch as I go through this entire chapter, I want you to watch how Jesus gives us an example of how we should engage our community. And where's our community? It's outside these walls. See, Jesus had just spent time here, you know, inside the walls of Jerusalem. But he needed to reach out to his community. And the way that he had to do that was by going through Samaria. And so now here he is. He's in Samaria. He's at the well. And there's a woman that comes up to him. And so uh, we find that Jesus gives us a couple of examples when interacting with our community. And the first one is this. When it comes to interacting with your community outside these walls, don't argue. Watch this in verse 9. The Samaritan woman said to him, How is it that you, a Jew, ask for a drink from me, a woman of Samaria? And then the Bible puts this in a parenthetical statement. For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. The enemy wants us to argue. The enemy has one mission, and that's to, to kill and destroy. And he wants us to argue with the people outside of these walls. And, he, and there's three things that the enemy will bring up for us to argue with when it comes to reach out to our community. The first one is race. You see here, this, this Samaritan brings up, says, you're a Jew, I'm a Samaritan, we usually don't talk. And a man certainly doesn't ask for some water from me. And yet, watch how Jesus handled this. Because what we know is that race is a man-made barrier. It's something we created ourselves. You know, um, have you guys heard of the Human Genome Project? Well, um, I came across an article um, from April of 2018, and here was a quote out of that article. It said, the DNA differences in the billions of DNA... Let me tell you what the Genome Project did. The genome took all of the DNA information that it had, and it ran it through a supercomputer. And here's what's interesting, because I bet you've never heard this, but the DNA differences in the billions of DNA letters in the cellular compartment termed the nucleus are easily explicable or explained from two people in the last 6,000 years. Now, I don't know about you, but I think I know their names. And you know what's really crazy? Is if you watch the chart, it, it starts with two, and then it breaks back down at, at about 2,000 years later to eight. Where have I heard that from? Folks, this is what scientists has proved for us. I, if you don't believe the Bible... Read some scientific articles. They will prove the Bible for us time and time again. The problem is that these are the articles that never make the front line news. 
You're not going to see this on CNN. You're not going to see it on Fox News. You're not going to see it on the Drudge Report. What you're going to see it on is a, a, a small Christian site that has interest in this. And so um, when people bring up race, and, and, we, and in our country we argue about this. This is something where it's almost to a boiling point. Let me let you know that that is the enemy. The enemy wants nothing more for us to make color of our skin the difference between us. The enemy wants to make a lot of things different. And, and all that race tries to do is, because of your heritage, make you better than someone else. And what my Bible tells me is that all of us came from two different people. Adam and Eve. And so no matter where we fall on that spectrum, that great-grandpa... Great grandpa Adam is still our grandpa. And great grandma Eve is still our great, 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 great grandma. The Bible tells us this. Science tells us this. The only person not saying this is the enemy. So don't let the argument of race be something that keeps you from reaching out to your community. The second thing that the enemy wants us to argue about is reason or logic. In verse 11, it says this, The woman said to him, Sir, you have nothing to draw water with, and the well is deep. If you encounter your community outside and you try to introduce them to Jesus, you try to introduce them to something that can change their life, I'm telling you that they're going to bring up logic. They're going to bring up reason, and they're going to say, You know what? I just don't know about that. And so what happened here was Jesus was talking on a spiritual level, And the lady was speaking to him on a natural level. Folks, you're going to encounter your community, and you're going to be speaking on a spiritual level, and guess how they're going to respond to you? They're going to respond to you in the natural. And and what you say doesn't make sense to them, and what they respond to you doesn't make sense to you. So let's see what what Jesus tells about this. Let, Let me tell you this, that here's what I would expect, that somebody would say, but what about the dinosaurs? I watched Jurassic Park. Billions and billions of years ago, there were dinosaurs that walked on this earth. Or maybe they would tell you this. You know what? I read an article on evolution, and you know, it seems pretty compelling. Or maybe if they've gone to college, they'll throw out uh, Stephen Hawking's name. Stephen Hawking, probably one of the smartest men of our time, and he said this, that there's no possibility of God. While he was alive, Stephen Hawking was a firmly committed atheist. Going so far as to assert that there was a more likely chance of time travel than the existence of God. Today, now that Stephen Hawking has passed on into eternal life, I can confidently tell you that he now believes in the existence of God. Folks, don't be like Stephen Hawking and wait until it's too late to be convinced. When the Bible, when science. Folks, if, if you want to know the truth, the truth is there and the truth will set you free. Amen. But the enemy doesn't want you to know that. It doesn't want you to hear that. It doesn't want you to see that. And it doesn't want you to share it for sure. The third thing the enemy wants us to argue over is religion. Verse 20. Our fathers worshipped on this mountain, but you say, and it's interesting, I don't think Jesus said anything like that. But he is now being lumped into the group of all the Jews, right? 
When you walk outside these doors, you're going to have a conversation with somebody. And, and they're going to say, well, you know what? This Baptist preacher. And then they're going to say something that I would disagree with. What do you got to say about that, Pastor Ronnie? What Jesus said, well, don't argue with them over that. Don't argue with them over religion. Because here's what I'm here to tell you. Religion is man's attempt to get to God. You know, there's a, there's a whole lot of different religions out there. And there's a whole lot of different beliefs. And every one of those is an attempt for us to get to God. 2 Corinthians 4, verse 3 and 4 says this. And even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. Verse 4. In their case, the God of this world. Who's the God of this world? Satan. The enemy. In this case, the enemy has blinded the minds of the unbelievers and to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Jesus Christ, who is the image of God. That's what the enemy's doing. He's trying to keep them from hearing the gospel. And so they'll talk about religious things. They'll talk about what day of the week should we worship on. They'll talk about should you be standing, kneeling, or sitting when you pray? Should you keep your eyes open or closed? Which version of the Bible? What kind of songs can you sing? They'll bring all of that stuff up. That's what the enemy wants us to talk about. And what the Bible wants us to talk about is the gospel. The fact that Jesus Christ was the Son of God born to a virgin named Mary. He lived a perfect life and he offered his life up. Died on the cross to pay for our sins. Three days later, he rose. And today, he sits at the right hand of the Father. You know, but unfortunately, sometimes we forget about the gospel and we, get, and we help the enemy when it comes to blinding our community. I'm 17 years old. I'm in northwest Indiana. I'm going to a Bible college. I belong to a thing called the Fisherman's Club. And on Saturdays, we would go out soul winning. And so one day, uh, there's three of us driving in Chicago. And we're going soul winning. We're looking for people. We, we didn't live there. We were just looking. If you, if you were standing around, we were stopping and talking. And I'm ashamed to say this, that as we're driving down this street, we saw somebody of a different religion standing and talking to somebody. And you could tell they were trying to convince them to join their religion. And here's what I did. 17 years old. Forgive me for this. I rolled the window down. And I yelled out. I said, do you know where that guy's going when he dies? And then I finished the sentence. Straight to hell, and so will you if you listen to him. Now, folks, I, I don't believe that was an inaccurate statement. But, folks, all I did was I helped the enemy blind them to the gospel. Why in the world would I want to talk to a Christian if that's the way we behave? Why would I want to talk to a guy that's going to Bible college trying to learn how to be a pastor? And that's the way he behaves. I don't think I'm the only person who does some silly things in the name of Jesus. I don't think I'm the only person who has uh, put something on Facebook that Jesus himself would ask you to take down. 
I don't think that I'm the only person who has treated my family in such a way that there's no way that they felt like I belonged to the church. I remember hearing the pastor share this story about uh, a young man had died and gone to heaven and, and who, who met him there at the pearly gates? St. Peter. Not St. Patrick, St. Peter. And St. Peter started walking him down this big giant hallway and there was rooms on either side and, and he came up to the first room and he opened the door and, and um, there were some folks in there just um, seated much like us and there was someone with an organ playing and and uh, so the young man asked Peter, who is this? He goes, well, this is the Methodists. Went down the hallway a little further and opened up another door. And, and they had a piano going. And, and they were reading a couple different scriptures and a little bit of responsive reading. And, and uh, he asked Peter, well, what group is this? He goes, this is the Lutherans. And then so this young guy was kind of filling his oats. And he, he went down to the next room. He opened up the door. What about this guy? And then they look in there. And they were kind of having a good old time, shouting the hands up, they're running up and down the aisles, and uh, Peter said, well, these, these are the Pentecostals. So the young guy runs down to the next room, and he throws open the door. He goes, what about this room? And Peter runs up, catches him, shuts the door, and he says, Whew. He goes, that's the Baptist, and they think they're the only ones here. <laughs> Folks, I'm telling you, if you think that it's only us Baptists that are going to get to heaven, you're going to be surprised to see your cousins there. You're going to be surprised that, that there's people who uh, have a different name on their church than ours. They're going to be in heaven. And there might be more of them. Oh, I'm not supposed to say that, am I? All right, well, let's get you back to preaching. Titus 3.9 says this. If you don't believe that what I've just told you, that these are the three things that are going to come up in your community... Titus says this, but avoid foolish questions, that's reason or logic, and genealogies, that's race, and contentious and strivings about the law, that's religion, for they are unprofitable and vain. So all of those arguments, all of those things that the enemy sets you up, and you, you just grab onto that bait, and, and the enemy just pulls you away, and so that your testimony is no longer profitable, it's vain. So here's what Jesus says that we need to do. We just need to talk. Now here's what I've learned. I know what you guys want to talk about. Matter of fact, I could walk up to somebody on the street and I know I'm a mind reader. I know exactly what they want to talk about. You know what it is? It's themselves. That's right. Yeah, that me monster. I could just hear it. Me, 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 me. And if they're grandparents, I know what they want to talk about. Their grandchildren. Jesus says, just talk. And then he gives us the example. Look in verse 10. It says this. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that is saying to you, Give me a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. You know, here's one of the things that everybody is searching for, and that's an abundant life. They want more to this life. They want more out of this life. None of us want to get to that point where it's our last day on earth, not having got the most out of the time here on earth. 
If it's not abundant life, it's not more life that they want, I'm telling you this, that everybody is concerned about eternal life. Verses 13 and 14 in this chapter say, Jesus said to her, Everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never be thirsty. The water that I will give him will become in him as a spring of water welling up to eternal life. Just as Stephen Hawking now believes in eternal life. Folks, it doesn't matter. The question isn't, are you going to live eternally? The question is, where are you going to live eternally? You're either going to be born twice or you're going to die twice. You're either going to be born in your mother's womb, which everyone here, I'm going to attest, has happened. Some more recently than others. And then you have a choice to accept what Jesus Christ did on the cross. And accept and be born again. Or you'll reject what Jesus did on the cross. And one day all of us are going to die. This heart's going to stop beating. The blood's going to stop flowing. And then our soul is going to go to its eternal place. And if you weren't born twice, not only are you going to die once physically, but you're going to die spiritually. And that spiritual death is separation from God for all eternity. And then unfortunately, God has prepared a place that those who reject him are going to spend. And it's called hell, and it's not a fun place. It's not a party place. I, I promise you, people aren't going to be greeting each other. Man, I'm glad you made it. They're going to be in torment the rest of their life. Not the rest of their 80 years, the rest of eternity. And the question is, Is it going to be two births or is it going to be two deaths? That's the question we all get to answer. Well, another topic that you can talk to people about is sin. I'm like, oh, really? Now you're talking my language, right? Now I sound like a, a Saturday Night Live skit in the church lady. You know, who made you do that? Satan, maybe? Let's read verses 16. And Jesus said to her, Go call your husband and come here. And the woman answered him, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, you're right in saying, I have no husband. For you've had five husbands, and the one that you now have is not your husband. What you have said is true. Verse 19. And the woman said, Sir, I perceive that you're a prophet. Have you ever talked to somebody and you felt like they've been reading your email? They've been going through your mail. And you ask them, why are you asking me that? And they say, oh, the Lord put it on my heart. You come to church, it's the first time you've been to church in 18 weeks. And for some reason, the guy up here preaches a message that like just stomps all over your toes and your heart and everything else. And you wonder, did, did your wife put him up to that? I promise you, this sermon was prepared about eight months ago. Now, I know you find that hard to believe, but trust me, it, it was. I've had to wait eight months to preach this. I'm ready. That's one of the reasons why I love this place. And there, there's no place I'd rather be today. I've had to wait eight months. 
You see, the problem is that we want to talk about their sin. Jesus didn't have to bring it up. He didn't call it sin, did he? He just said it like it was. And the problem is that we want people to admit to us that they sinned. That's not what the Bible says. The Bible says that they, it's good to confess your sins to each other because it'll help you recover. But what the Bible says is that we must confess our sins to God. And there's too often that we want to be the Holy Spirit and we want to convict people and we want to tell them what they should believe and how they should believe. And when they don't, we want them to agree with me that that's sin. <coughs> but all Jesus did was state the facts. And she knew exactly where she was in her walk with the Lord. Not only is it about sin that we can just talk about, but we can just talk about having a relationship with God. Verses 21 and 24 said, Jesus said to her, Woman, believe me, the hour is coming when neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. We worship what we know, for salvation is from the Jews. Verse 23. But the hour is coming and is now here that when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. Listen to this. For the Father is seeking such people to worship him. I don't think God in heaven is looking down and, and wonders what style of music that we have in this church. I really don't. I don't think that he's wondering which version I'm preaching from today. I don't think that he's wondering, um, am I using an iPad for my notes or am I, do I print out the, the notes? I don't think that he's worrying about any of those things. What God in heaven, the Father, is looking for from me is that I worship in spirit and truth. What God is looking for from each of you here today, he's not looking at the clothes that you wore. He's not looking at the time that you got here. He's not looking at, did you sing or did you not sing? What he's looking for is for you to worship him in spirit and in truth. And folks, it doesn't matter the label that we put on our church. If we don't worship him in spirit and truth, it's worthless. And all we've done is we've given the enemy the victory. Jesus himself died on a cross, took and put up with more pain, more rejection than any of us have ever experienced. And he did that so that we could enjoy an eternity in heaven with him. And yet we get hung up on the silliest things. Folks, don't let a donut, don't let orange juice, don't let coffee, don't let a hymnal versus words on the screen, don't let a piano or an organ, a drum set or a guitar, don't let that keep you from spending an eternity in heaven. And and for those of us who are the spiritually mature Christians, don't let that allow us to keep somebody else from spending an eternity in heaven. You know, and the last thing that Jesus talked to her about was himself. And the last thing that we can talk to people about is about Jesus. In verses 25 and 26, the woman said to him, I know that the Messiah is coming. He who is called Christ. He, listen to me. The Samaritans, rejected by the Jews, were looking for the very same person that the Jews were looking for. The Christ. The Messiah. Verse 
And when he comes, he will tell us all things. She knew what she was talking about. And Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am he. Oh, he didn't argue with her, did he? He didn't argue with her about the fact that he was a Jew and she was a Samaritan. He didn't argue with her about uh, the fact that he didn't have a, a way to get the water out of the well. He didn't argue with her about the fact that uh, his race or his religion was different than hers. What he did was he found what they had in common and he brought her closer to what she needed to be. And that was Jesus. Jesus himself said, if I be lifted up, I will draw all men to me. 2,000 years ago, he was lifted up, hung on a cross, and today he's still drawing all men to him. But the problem is we let religion get in the way. We let race get in the way. We let logic get in the way. Folks, you, most of you within the sound of my voice have already experienced that second birth. Are we going to deprive other people because of our opinions, because of our beliefs? Or can we keep it simple? Can we change the way we look at our community? Here's the, here's the facts. When you change the way that you look at your community, here's what happens. Your community changes. Are you with me? When you change the way you look at your community, your community changes. I'm going to read a couple of verses here to you in verse 27 through 25. I don't think they'll pop up for you. It says this. Just then his disciples came back. They marveled that he was talking with a woman, but no one said, what do you seek or why are you talking with her? So the woman left her water jar and went away into town and said to the people, come see a man who told me all that I ever did. Can this be the Christ? Because they were looking for the Christ too. And they went out of town and were coming to him. Meanwhile, the disciples were urging him, saying, Rabbi, eat. But he said to them, I have food that you do not know about. And so the disciples said to one another, Has someone else brought him something to eat? And Jesus said to them, My food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. Do you not say there are yet four months that comes the harvest? Look, I tell you, lift up your eyes and see that the fields are white for the harvest. And as the disciples looked, I don't know, was it 50, 75, 100 men with these white hats that they wore back in the day were coming out of the city to get introduced to Jesus. That was the harvest. And folks, I'm telling you that we need to look outside these walls because the harvest is white. It's ready for us. It's waiting for us. There's three things that when you change the way that you look at your community that will change about your community. Number one is this. You need to realize this, that there's some people, unless you do something about it, will never ever set foot inside these walls. You know, the Jews didn't go to Samaria and the Samaritans didn't go down to Jerusalem. But Jesus said, I need to go through Samaria. Verse 39, many Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. And there are many people in Centur- Wouldn't you like it if the Bible were re- rewritten today? That it said, and many people in Centralia believed in him because of your testimony. The second thing that's going to happen is 
You need to know that what's happening here within this church, the preaching, the worship, the music, the Bible study, it's no longer enough to attract those in our community. It's not enough to have a building and have a sign, have a parking lot. That's not why they're going to come to this church. You've heard me say this many, many times, that people do not need a reason not to come to our church. They got thousands of them. They need a reason to come. And that reason comes in a conversation with you. Either they're going to have a conversation with you and say, I'll never go to that church. Or they're going to have a conversation with you and say, you know what, I might just try it. Verse 40, so when the Samaritans came to him, they asked him to stay with them, and he stayed there for two days. And verse 41, and many more believed because of his word. The community changed. And the third thing is about your community. In your community, you must be prepared to meet the people where they're at. See, when you do this, your community will change. Verse 42, it says, They said to the woman, this is the Samaritans, these these are the people who got saved. They said to the woman, It's no longer because of what you said that we believe, for we have heard for ourselves and we know that this is indeed the Savior of the world. Don't argue. Just have a conversation. And then one day, they're going to say, you know what, Ronnie, it's, it's not what you told me. It's, it, it's what I, I've heard, what I've read, what I now believe. Folks, all we are is an introduction to the most important person in their life, and that's Jesus Christ. Will you be that person? I'll leave you with this. There's two questions that I want to ask you that. Number one is, where do you need to go and who do you need to reach? Now, I'm sure that Jesus knew exactly who he was going to meet at the well. He's Jesus. He's allowed to do that. Well, what's your Samaria? Where's the area that everybody else is avoiding but that God has put on your heart and said, you need to go there? You need to go there. And more importantly, who is there and who needs you to have a conversation with them? Not a browbeaten session, not a Holy Spirit telling them what to do session, but a session where you introduce them, you have a conversation with them. And what do they want to talk about? They want to talk about themselves. If you'll start talking about themselves, ultimately you'll one day be able to talk to them about abundant life, about eternal life, about sin in their life, about a relationship with God, about Jesus himself. But the problem is sometimes we go straight to the sin in their life. You know why I'm here? Yep, you know why I'm here. You know what you did. And they're not ready for that. Verse 37 says this. This is Jesus talking to his disciples. For here the saying holds true. One sows and another reaps. Check this out. Jesus was sowing. While they were down there buying food in the city, Jesus was sowing. Guess who reaped an entire town? His disciples. His disciples for the next two days got to be and watch a group of people that they didn't like come to know and acknowledge Jesus Christ as the Son of God, as the Savior of the world. I've been putting this little hashtag 165 out there. 
Here's reality, that the average Christian here at Temple Baptist Church spends about three hours around this building. And there's 168 hours in a week. That means there's 165 hours that, that we don't spend here at this church building. And last week I challenged you that for those 165 hours, how are you being the church? Because that's what we're supposed to do is be the church. Not be in the church, although we want you here. But to be the church. Be the church when you leave here, when you're at the gas station. Be the church when you're at the train crossing. Be the church wherever you go. Because that's where your community is. You'll spend 165 hours in your community and three hours in this church. That's why we have to be the church. That's why we have to learn not to argue. That's why we have to learn to talk, have a conversation. Because if we'll start talking, we'll start having a conversation, it'll probably end up talking about Jesus. As a church, it's our honor to play a small part in all that God is doing in and through your life. And we would love to continue with you on that journey. To find out what your next steps could be in your relationship with Christ, simply go to www.tbccentralia.com forward slash next. You see, here at TBCC, it's our mission to lead people to become fully devoted followers of Christ who walk by faith and not by sight.